0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be. This is the one-year anniversary episode of A Shot at Business Central on a Beer, which is a podcast where we talk all things Microsoft Dynamics 365 Business Central. I'm Michael Intravertolo, and I'm here again virtually with Ken Sebahar, What is going on, Ken? And happy one-year podcast anniversary, my friend.
1: Happy anniversary to you, too. It's been a a really fun year. Um, Again, I wish we were uh, together, uh, able to clink our glasses together and celebrate today. Um, But, alas, we are not. uh, But I'm still going to enjoy a nice cold beer and a little business central discussion today. Nice.
0: I... uh... I went a different route today, uh, switched it up from the beer because it's the one-year anniversary, so I decided to go with my go-to drink, I guess, whenever I decide to have a drink, which is Jack Daniels and Coke. Um, you know, Jack Daniels is pretty popular. Everybody knows about it. They tell you one or two interesting facts about Jack Daniels. So Jack Daniel actually was only five feet, two inches tall, uh, had a pretty good mustache, It wasn't even his real name, Jack Daniels. His real name was Jasper Newton Daniel, but his friends used to call him Jack. And Jack Daniels is so popular that Frank Sinatra actually took a bottle of Jack Daniels with him to his grave. He was literally buried with a bottle of Jack Daniels. So it doesn't get much more popular than that.
1: (laughs) That's going out in style. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> what what did you say his original name was?
0: his original name is let's see I got it right here he is Jasper Newton Daniel
1: So yeah I, I think uh, Jack and Coke has a much better ring to it than a Jasper and Coke
0: <laughs> yeah, no like
1: offense you know, no offense to all the Jaspers out there but you know
0: yeah and I'm not sure I never knew that if your name was Jasper they would they they could call you Jack for short that's interesting.
1: Yeah, I've always kind of found it odd that Jack is kind of like a nickname for someone named John.
0: Right, right. yeah. John it's F. No, Kennedy.
1: It's no shorter.
0: Yeah, it makes no sense, but... I guess if you have
1: multiple Johns in the family, I guess that's where that probably comes into play.
0: <laughs> right. Oh. So, yeah, I'm drinking Jack Daniels and Coke. What about you? What do you got?
1: I'm drinking a uh, an IPA today. Uh, so it's called Centennial IPA by Founders, uh, Founders Brewing, which is uh, a Michigan beer. Uh, I think originally headquartered in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, and ha- also has a brewery in Detroit uh, or the Detroit area. Um, so I'm sticking with, the, uh, with my, my classic, my go-to. Um, so one of my favorites, uh, Founders IPA. Um, although let me share a little story with you. Um, my favorite actual beer is an, as a founder, one of my top, let's call it top three is founders all day IPA, which okay. is an India, India pale ale, uh, and in the all day kind of signifies that it's lower alcohol content. So like a 4.5 and in my, um, you know, going over to Benny's and picking out my beer with my, with my mask on my face <laughs> and I was all discombobulated, I accidentally grabbed the Centennial IPA, <laughs> uh, which is 7.2% alcohol. So, significant, wow. significantly stronger, similar flavors, but it can definitely taste the additional alcohol in there. So, I think one of the
0: questions our readers might want to know the answer to is is the uh, mask homemade or is it?
1: purchased (laughs) my mask no it's just one of the disposable like you know everyday ones that I think uh, my wife went out and got like a box of 25 of these like a a while ago they've just been sitting there and now in our great home state of Illinois uh, starting today May 1st uh, you know we're required to wear these when we go out um, you know shopping I think
0: it's for the rest of the month right
1: yeah i think so yeah
0: not too bad not too bad i'm in the same boat as you i have not made a mask yet i, I have a, a box of a uh, 50 just like you the disposable ones so we'll see how it goes um so we've been doing the podcast for a year and i've got a couple notes here on some of the things that have happened in the past year while we have been doing this this uh podcast so i'd like to share a little bit first uh Shot at Business Central on a beer of the podcast. On average, we saw a thirty-seven percent increase in plays each month. Um, wow! This isn't, yeah, this isn't for April calculated yet. Uh, it's just it's just from May through March, but yeah, increased thirty-seven percent every month on average. Our highest rated, rated beer was the first beer we ever tried, which was the Zombie Dust by Three Floyds Brewing. Uh, it had an average rating from you and I of ninety-six. Mm. So. Do you think that it, we rated it that high because it's the first one? I mean, I know that's one of your favorite beers. Do you think yeah. that it dropped if it were fourth or fifth down the line?
1: No, no, it, it's still it's still up at the top for me. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good beer.
0: Our worst rated beers were the Lion Kugel's Cherry Blonde <laughs> uh, Lager, and yeah, it was terrible, and the the Trader Joe's Providential Golden Ale. Uh, both had a rating of 50 from us (laughs) so not not too good
1: yeah i wouldn't expect uh um you know a a reappearance of those on a future podcast
0: (laughs) probably not so let's see what else happened in the last year since we've been podcasting the first all-woman spacewalk was completed uh, on average, 97.2% of organizations in the year of 2019 started to invest in big data and AI. Microsoft became a $1 trillion company. Podcast listeners in the United States increased by 13 million. And Tom Brady became a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. So the last year has just been crazy. Things <laughs> 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 happening that we never saw it.
1: Yeah. Well, right. And, and, and now, and now this COVID-19, right? Yeah. You, you left out that one little thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just that little thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's also seen a lot of changes in the past year for, uh, you know, Microsoft business central. There's been a lot of updates, a lot of new news. And I know within the last couple of months, there's, there's been a lot of updates with release, release wave one, 2020, um, Let's see, Ken. You got anything you want to share first about the Business Central news for the chat section?
1: Yeah, I mean, to your point, uh, we've got a we've got quite a bit of news, um, and and it seems like I say that every time we get together. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think it's true, and I and I think it's it's great. Um, there's there's just so much going on. Um, I guess let, let's start with this. Um, you know, the uh, Business Central. 2020 Wave One was officially released in early April, and what we what we saw today is many of the Business Central cloud environments were updated last night. So we actually receive um, we're on the notifications lists, you know, and we can see when environments are being updated. And we saw a lot of our environments being updated uh, last night, so. Kind of cutting the uh, cutting it close on the uh, quote April deployments, right?
0: They're yeah, running a little late. <laughs> yeah.
1: but but you know what? Better uh, you know better better done late and and well um, than yeah. than otherwise. And uh, we were I was in there today in one of our environments checking some stuff out, and and there is some, I mean. Really cool stuff, both from a technology and support perspective, and also some some cool features that users are are going to really like. Also,
0: yeah, I've, I've been looking over the list and whatnot, and, and I completely agree with you. Some of the some of the features are, are going to be amazing, and and some of the features are even, you know, you see them and, and you almost think that a lot of those were there already because you know you just don't realize it. But yeah, some lot of, a lot a of, lot of cool features. One of the things, though, that I know they're doing with with Business Central is they're working on trying to make the 80, gig, 80 gigabyte database storage limit work for most of the companies that are on Business Central. Um, and it's not. They introduced the new SKU where if your company has more than 80 gig, gigabytes of data, you can purchase one, one gigabyte per month for $40 a month. But... Um, Yep. Some of the things that they're doing to to help companies stay within that 80 gigabyte data, database range is, is pretty amazing. I know you like the SQL compression. What did you like?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think, like your point, you're saying, I think, first of all, I think many people may not even realize that, you you know, every Business Central tenant uh, has a default database storage size of 80 gig. Right. Um and, and many of the new customers certainly would never realize that because they're new, they're starting off, they, they don't have a lot of data or historic history in there at this point. So so 80 gig is, is way more than plenty. But now we're seeing com, uh, companies that are running maybe Business Central on-premise or maybe Great Plains, and they're migrating to Business Central, and, and that is coming into play. So... Uh, yes, the first thing that they're doing to to make sure that 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 eighty gig is is uh, maximized is they're they're doing um, they're using a SQL compression to compress the databases, which I think will have a significant impact and allow it to truly be more than more than eighty gig um, of space in there. So yeah, that's the first thing they're doing.
0: That that's also going to increase performance as well. I mean, all these will, I guess, once you as soon as you start bringing down the amount of load that's placed on the system performance, you know, usually all always goes up. Yeah.
1: And what, and what they've said is that they're going to actually start rolling this out up in the, up in the upcoming months here, prior to the wave Two 2020 release. So, you know, that would indicate from sometime May, between May and September, maybe um, we're, and I don't think that's anything customers are going to see, or, or you know realize is happening, um, but it but it will quote materially reduce database storage size.
0: Yeah, and if you're a large corporation, you might notice the performance uh, increase, but more, more than likely, you're not going to teach much of it. Um, so. One of the ones one of the ones that I liked was uh, let's see, I guess the automated 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 log file management. So this is where Microsoft is going to configure. And ma- a maximum size for log tables, and they'll provide an automatic purging of older entries. But also, per- you know, to improve performance and reduce storage. Yeah, I, I, I really like how they're just going out there and my, my, Microsoft's just going after it. So you know, they they know that a lot of people are using it, and the the storage is getting up. So they want to increase the performance and reduce the storage,
1: which is yep. really good. Yeah, that and um, the other one that's kind of related to that, I think, in a way that it's a proactive uh, thing is that there's alerting um, on rapid database growth. So, so it's, again, it's a proactive monitoring that Microsoft's doing on the, on the size of the, of the database so that, um, you know, the, the performance can be monitored and, ma- and maintained uh, without, you know, a negative, uh, you know, situation happening.
0: Yeah. It's really nice. Um, I'm sorry, I cut you off there.
1: And we left, we left out, and we left out probably the 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 biggest the archiving announcement. No, the file storage, the attachments. Oh. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, many. If you're a Business Central user, you know that on any record you have an attachments uh, fact box, and the same way you attach files to an email, you can attach an unlimited number of files. To any record like on a customer you could attach an excel price list or on an item you could attach a a cad pdf drawing file or something right um and it actually when you when you create these attachments it's actually storing those attachments in the database so you know if, if you have some huge you know draw uh, drawings or or other files that you're saving in the system that would impact your your database size well they've announced that these will be excluded from the calculation of the database storage usage. Wow. That's so, huge. Yeah, and, and maybe they will create like a separate tier of lower-priced file storage uh, if needed. Um, but that, that is huge because that, that, that would be a problem and they recognized it and, and uh, are coming up with another solution around that. Because it it would be a shame if people couldn't use that attachments feature because they were worried about you know storage size. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's definitely definitely a big one. So does I mean that go along with I got some notes here that say Microsoft plans to allow the archiving of historical data out of the primary database while still maintaining access to required information. Um, so does that mean in the future these archives? of your historical data won't actually be included in the database, but you'll be able to access
1: it? Yeah, that's what it looks Yeah, exactly. That's what that looks like. So maybe some history, historical files yeah. um, can be kind of, quote, offloaded um, into, into maybe a, a separate database behind the scenes where users will still have access to that data, but it will, it will not be directly maintained inside of that production SQL database. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah.
0: And then also, Microsoft has, I know you've gotten into the database and played around with some of the new features and, and whatnot, and mm-hmm. uh, a couple of my favorites of the new features that actually rolled out are, I love the disable export of data to Excel. I think that's huge. I don't think everybody should be allowed to export the company's data into an Excel file without permission. Right. I, I think that's big. I also like the device orientation enhancements that have have come out. Um, so if you're on your phone or whatnot, it's kind of like a seamless, uh, seamless um, program. No matter how you're using it through whichever device you're using it. But if you orientate the phone, you'll still be able to see all the feet, to see the field boxes, and and all the information. So I like that. I think you've got a couple that you liked as well, Ken.
1: Yeah. So from the yeah from the from the client perspective, um, there's you can you can um, import profiles and in, in user interface customizations from from one environment to another. So uh, what that basically means is that you could be in a in a sandbox environment, build a build a new profile, configure it uh, to show different fields, right, and, and buttons on the page. And then test it there, and then you could um, import that into your production environment. Really nice. So something from a you know from a tailoring and customization standpoint is a is a nice feature that they've added. Very nice, very nice.
0: So, let's see what else. Um, I like that they've optimized the page space.
1: Yeah, they said that it's like uh, they're maximizing. They're taking, taking just by by some minor improvements, you get fift- taking advantage of 15% more space horizontally and 5% more vertically. So just laying out the pages a little more nicely. Yeah, definitely really good.
0: What about from a service standpoint? Is there anything you really like that they, they came out with?
1: Um, absolutely. So a couple things. So when we talk about, you know, maintenance and monitoring of the, the service or, right, the, you know, the engine. Um, there's a few things that they've added. One is the ability to see current database locks. So, you know, every once in a while, uh, this can happen in, in, any, in a database. Um, and th- so they've created tools to identify if there's any locking going on so that those can be resolved. Uh, so that's the first one. Uh, the second one, which is um, pretty cool, is, is a is the ability to see the different sizes of all of the tables in the database. So you can kind of see, you know, where where is the bulk of your of your data sitting. Uh, you can also cancel sessions. You can view sessions and then cancel them. So if you happen to see a session there that maybe is shouldn't be, you want to cancel for whatever reason, you have that capability to do it. And also monitor web service requests and report performance. So if, if you can see how long processes are running, and you can actually set limits on some of those as well. So you can say, you know what? I don't want this report or web service calls if I'm integrating Business Central with some other application. I don't want them hogging all the resources. Yeah. Or or maybe I'll let them hog the resources for a certain amount of time and then we're gonna cancel that automatically if it, if it isn't completed, right? So, so these are things all intended to, uh, as tools, to help users and and partners make sure that the Business Central and Microsoft team make sure that you know the Business Central is performing uh, well.
0: Now, do you know if these are applied to both on premise and cloud?
1: Uh, most I, I I don't. I'm sure some of them um, are both. Um, some of them may be limited just by the nature of the fact that it's multi-tenant and it's microsoft you know things that microsoft is is providing um to do some of these um but but some of them certainly are are probably like seeing table sizes and canceling sessions probably is also on premise
0: right nice so microsoft is continuing to offer you know the tools and stuff to help customers and, and even partners uh maintain databases and Business Central and help everybody grow together. But speaking of Microsoft tools, before we go any further, I'd just like to point out some of the uh, resources that Microsoft and and Solution Systems has made available to help you during these these trying times. So first off, right now, Microsoft 365 Business Basic is free for six months. Uh, What is Microsoft 365 Business Basic? Yeah, six months, you can't go wrong with that, right? Uh, so microsoft 365 business basic it's basically the ultimate re- remote collaboration tool it's going to include your office apps like word excel powerpoint um it's going to give you the an email and calendar capabilities with outlook and then it's also going to give you teams which is going to give you the chat online meetings and 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 calling so let's say though that you you know you already have the office apps you purchased them you've got them on your computer but you you want the, the capabilities of microsoft teams with the video chat and the, and, the, and the text chat. Good news is Microsoft Teams is also free for six months right now. And Solution Systems, to help do our part and, and sort of pay it forward, what we're doing is, we are offering free setup for anybody who wants to uh, set up Microsoft Azure cloud backup. This way, you don't have to go into the office and do manual backups, you can, you can can stay quarantined or whatnot Um, so if you take advantage of the the free setup of the Azure Backup the Microsoft Teams and the Microsoft 365 Business Basic it looks like you'll be pretty ready to go to continue to work from home for as long as you need to be all good tools
1: it's all good hopefully that's uh, sooner rather than you know longer (laughs) I agree (laughs) yeah,
0: I think think June first is going to be my my limit before I kind of go crazy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's we're 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 laughing, but I'm sure there it's uh you know (laughs) there's people that are past that point of laughing, you know. Um. So yeah, I have a couple couple things here too that I wanted to mention uh, about on premise too. Is is um yeah they made this announcement uh, recently, maybe in early April is that um, they're gonna continue to make version 14 of on-premise Business Central available uh, for new customers. So if you're purchasing uh, Business Central on-premise today, right by default, you would purchase version 16, which is this newest release that, w- that just came out, uh-huh. but you will also be able to obtain license keys for version 14, which came out one year ago, and the, the reason that's important is because version 14 has also the uh, the old uh, Dynamics NAV development environment and, and Windows client available. So there may possibly be scenarios out there where customers need to purchase uh, that or run that so they can still get those license keys.
0: Right. Plus, it's a little bit of an easier transition because they're so used to and familiar with NAV. That if they can still use the Windows client, it's it it mimics the look of Nav, correct?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Makes it a little bit easier for everybody, then. Yeah. And the last uh, the last piece, I don't know if we want to talk about a little bit about the transition tools to Business Central.
0: Oh, I've heard there's some new GP ones out there.
1: Yes, sir. So so I you know I would tell you this is um, one of the you know biggest areas of investment for Microsoft. Um, is is really making making sure that customers that are running GP can successfully migrate to business central and um, part of the new tools that are coming out is the ability to upgrade from any from multiple versions of GP to business central So if you're running uh, GP 2015, 2016 or 2018, um, you can migrate through GP 2018 R2 into Business Central. Um, so so that's that's good news for customers who may not be on the newest release of GP, but they're looking to move to Business Central.
0: So what uh, – that's, that's the easiest way to say this, I guess. What do you think the future of GP is? You think it's going to be around for a long time or what? I know I'm putting you on the spot here. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think, well, yeah, certainly I think Microsoft is going to make sure that GP continues to run and there will be continued releases of it. Uh, There's a huge number of customers out there and I think they're going to make sure that if those customers choose to stay on GP, that they're going to have software that's compatible with new versions of of Windows and and SQL Server, right, and tools. Um, But, you know, they're also, and I'm just, I'm just making this judgment based on what I'm seeing. Is is just with tools like this, um, it certainly feels like Microsoft is is suggesting to customers that there's a lot to be gained by moving to Business Central.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking too. Just, just like you said, just from the the tools that they're offering and how easy they're making it to migrate to migrate to Business Central. I mean, I know there's a plan in place for GP going forward or whatnot, but it kind of makes you makes you wonder.
1: Yeah, and I think too, and I, I you know, not only so, not only are they making it um, where there are more versions uh, that you can migrate from uh, to, from GP to Business Central, but there are significant improvements in those data migration tools themselves. So, some examples of that is. Um, that they are they are migrating GP GL account segments into dimensions within business central um, and and fitting that data in and in all of the history into the business central dimension structure so that so that all of that flows over much more smoothly. Um, they're also adding um, on the customer side, they're adding customer ship to addresses. If you have ship to addresses in GP, those are going to come over or vendor what we call order addresses, right? Or order from addresses. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the inventory side, if you're using inventory in GP, um, now uh, there's, there's better migration of, of how the locations, uh, warehouses or locations are, are brought over, cost layers, and also serial number and lot number tracking. All of that is now brought over into Business Central from GP. Wow. And all I can tell you is, without disclosing too much, is that over the next two releases or the next year, they're continuing to add even more migration um, in, wow. from GP into Business Central. So there's significant improvements, even continued planning into the future.
0: So they're really not saying, "Hey, we're gonna cancel GP." They're just they're just no. making the deal so sweet that you can't pass up uh, switching to Business Central.
1: I think that's a good way to put it. At a certain point in time, um, customers may may make a decision and, and, and looking at it and saying, wow, there is some really compelling functionality here yeah. and op- opportunities that we're missing out on that, that we could take advantage of if we were to, to migrate to Business Central.
0: Pretty nice. Pretty cool. So with that being said, I think it's time to jump into our uh, featured app segment, unless you got anything left for the shot of Business Central.
1: I think that's enough news for today,
0: huh? I'm sure there'll be a lot more next month, too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure.
0: All right. So because of all the uh, digital transactions going on with how we obtain products lately, for this month's featured app segment, we're going to be taking a look at two of the more popular e-commerce apps around for Business Central, uh, those being SANA Commerce and eShop for Dynamics. Why e-commerce this month, you ask? Well, you know, basically, like I said, just because all the digital transactions going on, I mean, it's changing the way that we're obtaining our products, lately because of the COVID-19. And, you know, it just seemed right to look at some of the e- you know e-commerce apps, especially once I read that, The overall e-commerce sales are up twenty-five percent due to COVID nineteen, and certain industries such as exercise equipment are seeing an increase in e-commerce sales up to fifty-five percent. Wow! Yeah, this is according to Adobe's Digital Economy Index. It's not from my own research.
1: Yeah, and you know, you know what I'm seeing. You know what, um, what I'm seeing as as personally as, as a big trend is that. I think they're, they're, you know, over the past whatever it's however many years it's been, you know, people have gotten more and more used to purchasing things over the over the internet through an e-commerce store, but even in the last, you know, these last thirty to ninety days, it seems like a, a ton more products that you never thought people would buy over the internet. Yes. They're doing it, so it's like it used to be maybe certain products weren't uh, a really good sell opportunity through an e-commerce site. I think that paradigm is kind of shifting and, and people are much more comfortable buying things they never thought they might without putting their hands on them and, and touching them or trying them on, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm i in the boat where when all this COVID-19 stuff starts to subside, I don't know if I'm ever going to go back to being a traditional shopper. I, I don't know if I'll ever go back to a grocery store if I don't have to. It's, it's, it, it's definitely changing the way Business is done. Right.
1: So I think it's a very appropriate topic for you to be discussing today.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about the first app, which is Sonic Commerce. Uh, Sonic Commerce was founded in 2008 as a subsidiary of ISM E Company, which was founded by two people by the names of Jan Kees de Jager and Carl Vonderwood in 1992. So this means that the commerce portion has is, is roughly been around for, for 12 years. What is the claim to fame, so to speak, of Sana Business Central e-commerce app? And there's really four things that Sana likes to boast about. And the first is, it makes it easy for customers to find, order, reorder, pay for, and return products online at their convenience. In my opinion, the key word here being convenience, convenience because that's really what e-commerce is all about a lot of us just want to stay home and not waste the time going out shopping for things that we don't have to have or whatever it is same with businesses the second is simplified web store setup and ongoing maintenance by using business central to power your web store Uh, and this is actually designed to be implemented in just weeks without requiring heavy customizations So sana says so okay, a full e-commerce platform up and running within weeks—it sounds like something that every business central user can can get behind. You think it's possible, Ken?
1: I think it's possible for sure. Um, yeah, I, I've got some thoughts here. Let's we'll, we'll get we'll get through the two, and then uh, I'll, I'll share right. some of my thoughts. Uh, All right.
0: Next up, we got is like about providing a better buy. That's- across all devices, online offline. offline. I don't know the numbers, but having consistency across all devices is a must in today's digital world. And if I had to guess, I would say that more than half of online purchases are done now through cell phones. But that's just a guesstimate. And the last thing Sana likes to boast about is providing the tools that allow you to improve sales results by reaching a larger global market opening a new sales channel and creating sales touch points with e-commerce. So <clears throat> these are the selling points of these were the selling points of Sana Commerce, but what what really sets Sana apart from others? Well Sana claims that it was the first officially recognized e-commerce app in the app source, which is good. Uh, it has a very simple and sleek layout. It connects directly into and is partially built on top of your business central environment. It has front and back office systems integration. It also has a time-saving automation functionality, uh, which is thanks to the real time synchronization of your EP, ERP data. Uh, an example of this would be like if, you know, once an order is placed on, online, the sales order is automatically written to your business central database in real time. It has a unified view of your customers and simplified inventory management across all channels. And it has expedited order fulfillment. And in turn, that means more satisfied customers. So a lot of good features from SANA, a lot of good things that they they claim they're the best at. But one of their competitors, competitors is eShop for Dynamics. Let's take a quick look at Dynamics eShop. Dynamics eShop has over 20 years of experience in developing and implementing fully integrated commerce solutions. These solutions have a focus on leveraging technology to simplify and automate business processes and provide a robust digital platform that makes selling easy by uniting the right products with their customers. So, that's roughly eight more years of experience with commerce solutions in Sonahead. I'm not sure how much weight that holds in today's world, but, you know, it's good to take a mild note of it. What are eShop for Dynamics claims to fame? Well, they've got five things that they like to boast about as opposed to four that sign ahead. The first one is displaying customer-specific pricing, payment terms, and discounts by leveraging existing business logic from Dynamics 365 Business Central. So... Just like with SANA Commerce though, eShop for Dynamics is is integrating with your business central environment to help improve the overall customer experience. The second thing is the ability to display real-time inventory on the website. Uh, In my opinion, real-time functionality is a must for any e-commerce platform. Imagine if you bought something only to find out later that the company was actually out of stock for the product that you needed and you weren't going to get it within a day or two it's going to take you three weeks that would be something that would drive me absolutely crazy
1: right you want to know it's uh ready to order and available right now
0: yeah especially in today's world right we live in a an age of i want it now (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) the third thing that uh Dynamics eShop boasts about is the ability to create orders instantly into Dynamics 365 Business Central. This is another must for any e-commerce platform. And SANA also has this. So they're kind of on par so far. The fourth is displaying orders, invoices, credit memo, and payment history online and allowing payments on existing invoices. Um. I really like this because it's creating a better customer experience. And as everybody knows, a better customer experience means a happy customer, which means a returning customer.
1: Really?
0: And the last claim to fame for eShop for Dynamics is the ability to create and maintain data in Dynamics 365, Business Central, and then share that data across multiple platforms. So to some, this is a big deal to others. Maybe not. To me, it's one of those things where it's, you know, it's not a big deal until it is a big <laughs> deal. <laughs> so better be better to be prepared than not prepared.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, so, you know, frankly, <laughs> what I heard there was I heard a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Um, and we've worked with both products. Uh-huh. And, and both products are, can, be, can work for, for companies, yep. um, right? So I think there's some personal preference between the two products. Uh-huh. Um, um, there may be pricing differences between the two products. Um, yeah. But I think overall, my takeaway on this whole thing is both of these products, utilize business central right data mm-hmm. in their websites and in it there's a, a an integration between the website itself the e-commerce store that the user is experiencing and business central right and that is the magic the the fact that it's already integrated there's already an integration there that data is transferred back and forth is required and I would just tell you that the the tighter the integration is, the more the e-commerce site relies on Business Central, the better. Uh-huh. Because what it means is that you're you're not having to manually or you know develop custom integration tools. You're not having to worry about synchronization processes running to pass data back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 it's and, and you're not having to customer replicate develop logic on the website so that it reflects the same logic that you're seeing inside business central
0: right so. and that's probably what makes these two applications stand out from the rest i mean they've really put the development time in to have the the information you know uh transfer back and forth in real time so right. but like you were saying there are some differences, and it, it, especially within the, the pricing range of it. Now, Dynamics eShop is more of an a la carte, if you will, type of service to where you can buy it. So, they have more options. So, if you do less than 300 orders a month, it's $4.99 per month. If you do less than 600 orders a month, it's seven ninety nine dollars per month. And if you want unlimited orders, it's $9.99 per month. Uh these are the basic ones. There's a bunch of different options available. There's a sales portal, a vendor portal. You can do packages, marketing site, and a, and a whole bunch of other stuff. They'll put in the show notes, but that's the gist of it for the, the basics. Now for Sana, for a limited number of ERP users, the price sheet did not say the amount of users. It's 1800 per month and a one-time setup cost of 20,000. Um, Dynamics eShop also has a setup cost. For their three tiers, you got $7,500, uh, $12,500, and $15,000. So, for SANA's basic tier, it's a $20,000 setup cost, which is, is pretty steep. Now, if you want unlimited number of ERP users, you're going to pay $2,750 per month with the one-time setup cost of 20000 Yeah. So... Both good products, but you know the discrepancy is is really within the price and, and how you purchase the product.
1: Yeah. So yeah, with that, I uh, you know if if uh, I, I just heard a few people fall off their chairs uh, <laughs> when you said those prices because they're you know they're paying seventy dollars per user per month for Business Central. Uh huh. Um, however, I I would I would not think of it that way. I think how you you have to think about this. Like this e-commerce site is like a salesperson who's working for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Yep. And if, if if you can get the X number of orders from your website in a year, how does that compare to hiring one or five um, salespeople uh-huh. to try to replicate that, Right. So I think if you look at your return on investment in terms of, of that, um, how many, uh, what amount of revenue you can bring in through a, a well-constructed and integrated website, I think that it, there's a big difference there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Amazon has no issues with spending the money on their site. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> like you said, it's, it's 500,000 salespeople to them, basically. It's right. amazing. So yeah, definitely, definitely the way that you want to look at it. But yep. like I said, both products are really good. We'll put a, a bunch more notes in the show notes, sure. and uh, you know, reach out to us if you have any e-commerce questions. And with that, we're going to talk about featured segment that is coming up, which is Ken. You want to dive oh, yeah. in? So you know what it is. <clears throat>
1: Sure. Yep. So in this segment here, we're going to talk about our feature spotlight. And our feature spotlight for today, the topic is adjust cost item entries. What is it and why you need it? So there is, you know, any, any company that has inventory and is using Business Central, whether they know it or not, they need, they must, they, they use, and they rely on a process inside of Business Central called adjust cost item entries. So what what is this? Well, what it is, it's a process that runs. It runs through your inventory, all your item ledgers. And it makes sure that your inventory costs and values are properly updated and, and are accurate. So there, there are ways that you can set this process to run automatically, so that you never have to manually run it. Or you may set up the set up Business Central so that it's something that has to be run on a nightly basis or maybe a weekly basis. And again, what it what it's doing is it's making sure that your your the value of your inventory and your cost of goods sold and right are are accurate, and all your cost layers have been updated appropriately. So makes sense, Michael?
0: It does. It does make sense.
1: Okay. So that's what it is. And by the way, we have prepared a, a document that, will, that that talks through all of this. Mm-hmm. and we'll make it available on our show notes. Uh, we've previously posted this on, on our blog uh, blog site. So um, So we know what it is. But why do I need it? Well, let's walk through an example that explain. This will this will this will clearly, um, you know, show you why this is something that has to run in order to make sure that your ac- your inventory is accurate. Okay, yeah. so so let's say that we we're we're just a, we're a distribution company. And we are we're buying some some items that we're going to put into our warehouse and then we're hoping to get some customer orders for these items. Right. Uh-huh. And so the first time we're going to we, we do FIFO costing here. So whether it could be average, it could be LIFO, it could be FIFO. Right. Or even uh, lot specific or serial specific. Um, but in this case, we'll, we'll talk about a FIFO example here to follow our document. And so what happens is we create a purchase order from a vendor, and we order some of these items. Let's call them widgets for today. Or should we call them cases of beer? (laughs) Let's do cases of (laughs) beer. Cases of beer. So we're going to buy some cases of craft beer. And we're going to place an order with a vendor, and we're going to pay $20 per case. So this is some good stuff. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, and then, so we we put all this we put all this beer in our warehouse, and it's sitting there. We've got a hundred cases sitting there at twenty dollars a case, right? And then, um, then we create another purchase order. We're going to order some more because we anticipate it's getting to be summer. We're going to really start selling this like hotcakes. So we're going to order some more. But the price now has gone up to thirty dollars a case.
0: Oof!
1: Right, I know. It's just- <laughs> breaks my heart when the price of beer goes up. <laughs> so now we're we're gonna buy another hundred cases at thirty bucks a case. So what happens now is if you were to go look at your item record, there's a field called unit cost. And the unit cost on that item card would now say twenty five dollars. Right? Because I paid I paid about a hundred at twenty dollars and I bought a hundred at thirty dollars. So, right, that makes sense. So all it knows, I've got 200 cases now at an average unit cost of $25 per case. Now I get my first sales order for some of this beer. And a customer orders one case of beer. So I create my sales order, and there's a field on my sales order called unit cost. Well, at this point, all Business Central knows is that my current cost on average is twenty five dollars because I don't know exactly when I'm going to ship this to them. I don't know which which items I'm going to. Are we going to sell them some of the twenty dollars ones or some of the thirty dollars right. ones? Right. I really don't know because I haven't segregated them. I've just put them in the put them on a pallet in the warehouse, so um, they're all sitting there. So the best guess it has is $25. So that's my original cost on my sales order. Well, next what happens is we ship and we invoice the customer for that case of beer. Now at this point, the system is gonna post an entry into my general ledger, reflecting a cost of goods sold of $25 because that was the best guess of the cost at the time I right posted that invoice. Mm-hmm. But now, the adjust cost process runs. That's this process we're talking about. And it looks at my cost layers and it says, wait a minute, you actually just sold them because you're FIFO, you, first in first out, you sold them a case at $20. So we're going to actually build an adjusting entry to show so that our cost to reflect the fact that our cost of goods sold is only $20 and that we only depleted inventory by $20. Nice. Right. And so that and then if you were to go look at the posted sales invoice, now you will see in the statistics page, for example, that the adjusted cost on that sales invoice was it was $20 not the original $25
0: Nice.
1: so if that makes sense you know you you see how in an everyday scenario this adjust cost process is required in order to ensure that your inventory values and your cost of goods sold are, are tracked accurately inside the system um, and if I could take yep, yeah, but I was gonna say think of the time
0: saved alone of having <laughs> to you know get to go back and change it.
1: God. Right. And then you know, this has been and then and then so this, you know, I think most people kind of go, Okay, that's great, Ken. Um, you know, I would kind of assume most systems would, would do that, right? You're saying it's FIFO costing and I say, Yeah, it's great. Um But let me tell you what is a differentiator between Business Central and other systems. So let's take this scenario one step further. Let's say that in this scenario, I had only received those two purchase orders with the 100 cases of inventory each, right? And I thought I was going to pay $20 and I thought I was going to pay $30. And I've already shipped that one case right right and it it adjusted my cost to twenty dollars but guess what now it's a week later and now it's may it's not even april anymore i've closed april but i receive an invoice from the brewery who sold me those 100 cases of beer Mm -hmm. and they didn't charge me twenty dollars but they charged me eighteen dollars So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to call them up and tell them that they undercharged me, right? No. Maybe? Maybe. (laughs) No. I I don't think that's what happens. I think what happens is... The payables person who, who who does a get receipt lines uh, to invoice that order, they change the cost that, that comes in from $20 down to 18 and then they post that payable invoice so that they can pay the brewery $18 a case, right, for those 100 cases. Yep. That all makes sense. But now the adjust cost process runs again, and what it does is it says, okay. You have 99 cases of that left in inventory. Let's go adjust your inventory value down again from $20 down to $18 a case. And you go, okay, that's great. But it does one last thing, and this is the huge differentiator, is that it then goes and it looks to see if you've already sold some of those. And it finds that you did, you sold one case to a customer and and it recorded an adjusted cost of $20, it finds that sale and it adjusts the cost on that invoice and that sale down from $20 now down to $18. Wow,
0: pretty nice, very nice.
1: Right, so at the end of the month, right, we're we're gonna do our best job to reflect our cost of goods sold based on those expected costs from the PO. But ultimately, at the end of the day, even if you get those invoices after you've shipped and invoiced those items to customers, and even if it's after the end of the month, the system will still go adjust your your inventory and your cost of goods sold. And what that means is that whenever you run your inventory profitability or customer profitability reports in Business Central, those numbers that you're looking at are 100% accurate regardless of the timing of those transactions that have occurred.
0: Wow. That's nice. That's real nice. It's a huge differ- differentiator too.
1: Yeah. Oh. So I hope that helps uh, understand, uh, explain for people what this adjust cost process is, what it is, and, and, and more importantly, why I believe every customer needs it.
0: Yeah. And like Ken said, we'll, we'll, we'll put the, uh, the Notes within the podcast show notes, and I'll even put a link to the uh the blog post that we have for for adjust cost as well. All right, and with that, before we start to wrap things up, I think that Ken, you need to give us a rating on the beer because we had a listener who I guess will go unnamed let us know that we forgot to rate a beer during one of our podcasts. Oh, <laughs> so uh. You got to give us a rating on that beer, Ken.
1: On my founder's Centennial IPA, right?
0: Yep. Yep. The 7.2% alcohol.
1: Yeah. I'm going to go 93.
0: 93. Nice. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's a, a, a little, it's below, um, the zombie dust and it's, it's also below the founder's all day IPA. Um, only, uh, but, but it's, still a great beer happy to drink happy to drink it any day of the week
0: all right so with that we've covered the uh shot at business central
1: hey wait whoa
0: what what am i forgetting something
1: yeah you forgot to rate your jack and coke
0: (laughs) i kind of feel bad rating the jack and coke because last month i rated the corona pretty high so if you look at the the list of beers (laughs) <laughs> Corona's up there pretty high, and, and I don't know if uh, <laughs> their rating's what everybody would give it. So for Jack and Coke for me, I'm going to give this a rating of 98.
1: Ah, wow! Yeah, I think the that problem. says a, I think that says a lot
0: about me or about the drink.
1: <laughs> about you loving that drink?
0: Yeah. Definitely. Probably my my favorite drink. Uh, right now, it's pretty hard to think of anything else. But, you know, you, I can't give it 100 because there's always got to be something out there that might be better. Absolutely. All right. Now that we've rated the drinks, we want to thank everybody for listening. You can find the show notes and links on our website at www.soulsister.com. Please subscribe to the podcast, share it, or tell a friend about it. You can find us on all major podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and others. And uh, with that, thanks everybody. Thanks for doing this again virtually, Ken.
1: Yeah, and- it's a lot of fun. And um, I look forward to digging into this new version of Business Central here and having some more good updates next month.
0: Awesome. All right. See you guys next month. Everybody stay safe and healthy. Bye bye.